Hi everyone, it's Bud. This is a podcast I do from time to time called Stories from the First 60 Years. Some are personal stories, some are professional stories, some are both. Hopefully all of them bring a smile to your face. The New York football giants, as the old-timers still call them, are about to play a huge playoff game against the Philadelphia Eagles Saturday night. And any time the Giants are in the playoffs, I am reminded of this story, which is called, That Time I Cost the Giants a Playoff Game. It's true, I cost the New York Giants a playoff game. Of course, the Giants had a little something to do with it as well. It's a cardinal rule of the press box, especially the baseball press box. Never comment on the pace of the game. A simple, seemingly innocuous, wow, this game's going fast, will earn you some hard looks from your press box colleagues. By the time you look back at the field, there's been one change of pitchers, then another, and another. And just like that, your, wow, this game is going fast, is approaching three hours, four hours. Eventually, tonight turns into tomorrow. You had to mention how fast the game was going. Good work. The same goes for pronouncing that the outcome of a game is no longer in doubt. True, it's a little easier in hockey and basketball. If the Rangers are up 6-1 with a minute left, or the Knicks are down by 30 with a minute left, you're on pretty safe ground to say that the game is over. But in baseball, or football, tread lightly, my friend. Which brings me to January 5th, 2003. The mere mention of the date makes die-hard Giants fans lower their heads in pain. Why? Why does he have to bring up that game? I hear you cry. You may think you know the reason why the Giants lost a playoff game in San Francisco that day, but you don't know the full reason. That's why I'm here. It was a beautiful football Sunday at Candlestick Park, a building that was a dump, to put it mildly, when it was used for baseball during the summer, but quirkily shone brightly and more warmly when it was used for football during autumn and winter. For two and a half quarters of that first-round playoff game, the Giants could not miss. They marched up and down the field. It was like men versus boys. The Giants built a 38-14 lead on the 49ers. They could do no wrong. And then, they could. The 49ers scored 25 straight points, with quarterback Jeff Garcia picking apart the Giants' defense and wide receiver Terrell Owens making quick work of the secondary. The Giants' offense got a little conservative, and the team lost its composure with a bunch of unnecessary roughness penalties. The unraveling was not pretty. It was like the football gods had flipped a switch. Still, the Giants had the ball with a minute left, down by one, and started to march down the field. They got in position for a 40-yard field goal attempt by Matt Bryant in the final seconds that would win the game. But the snap was bad. The Giants had to improvise, and the holder, Matt Allen, was forced to throw a pass downfield. The intended receiver was offensive lineman Rich Seubert, who had reported into the game as an eligible receiver. As the ball was in the air, Seubert was interfered with by a 49er defender, and the ref threw a penalty flag. Some of the Giants rejoiced, thinking that the 49ers were going to be called for pass interference, and the Giants would have another chance to kick a field goal to win the game. But no. The officials got confused, forgot that Seubert was an eligible receiver, and instead called the penalty on the Giants. It was a mess. It was a fiasco. But it was over. 49ers 39, Giants 38. One day later, the NFL apologized to the Giants, admitting that the officials made a mistake and should have called a penalty on the 49ers. The admission did little to ease the Giants' pain then and now. I hear you asking, so how did you cause the Giants to lose that game? 
In the words of the great Giants fan, Ralph Cramden, it's because I have a big mouth. There is beauty and truth in the yogiism. It ain't over till it's over. All of which was lost on me in a moment of weakness during the third quarter of that game. As the Giants were building their 38-14 lead, I realized that a Giants win would mean that they would be traveling to Tampa Bay the next weekend to play a second-round playoff game against the Bucks. My in-laws spend the winter in Florida. They are big Giant fans, so I knew they were following the game. I decided to be a good son-in-law, and so with confidence and aplomb, I picked up the phone midway through the third quarter and called my in-laws. I advised them to keep next Saturday night free for dinner because... The Giants are going to play the Bucks next weekend in a second-round playoff game, and I'll be there. I hung up the phone with a casual and optimistic, see you next weekend. That was it. The hex. I'd tempted the fates, toyed with the football gods. The retribution came quickly. I hadn't hung up the phone before Jeff Garcia started turning into Joe Montana. One touchdown, then another, and then another. And I sank further and further down in my seat in the press box. While the reporters bemoaned the Giants' defense and marveled at the restored 49ers' offense, I said nothing. I knew the real reason why the game was turning around. I got very quiet, even during the chaotic final play that went kaflooey for the Giants. As I made my way from the press box to the Giants' locker room for post-game interviews, I said nothing to no one and kept my faux pas to myself. There's a certain sound to a losing locker room, the sound of quiet, a quiet that can actually be heard. Perhaps the intense quiet accentuates every little sound you hear. A distant shower, flip-flops dragging across the floor, tape riffed off, tossed in the garbage. Quiet. That giant locker room was among the quietest I'd ever covered. The Giants had struggled with snappers that season and called 19-year veteran Trey Junkin in the week leading up to the game in San Francisco. He was at home retired when the Giants called his number, and he responded. Only days later, there he was, surrounded by reporters in the Giants' locker room. With tears in his eyes, Junkin spoke quietly, eloquently, painfully about the botched snap. He took the blame for the playoff loss, a magnanimous gesture considering how the rest of the team played in the second half, and offered that he would give anything in the world to have stayed retired and not be in San Francisco that day so that the Giants might move on to the second round of the playoffs. It was dramatic. It was memorable. It was heartbreaking. That was Trey Junkin's last game in a 19-year career. I never forgot his name, not because of what happened during the game. I never forgot Trey Junkin because of the grace he displayed under fire after the game. It was a lesson that extended far beyond the football field. Shortly thereafter, I stopped covering sports full-time. No, the Giants' debacle in San Francisco had nothing to do with it. And so I stopped covering the Giants. After the Giants won the Super Bowl in 2012... I wrote to the team's head of media relations, a great and wonderful New York character named Pat Hanlon. I congratulated him on the team's success, noting that after I left the scene, the Giants went on to win two Super Bowls. Then, I came clean. I reminded him about the Giants' loss in San Francisco in January 2003. He needed little reminder. He recalled it all too well. But then I told him about the part that he did not know, the phone call telling my in-laws that I would be in Tampa the next weekend to cover the Giants' second-round playoff game. As I recall, Pat laughed. That was kind of him. It ain't over till it's over. Occasionally, I will go on YouTube and call up highlights, so to speak, from that game, and all of the memories come rushing back. 38-14, to 
Jeff Garcia and Terrell Owens, The Botch Snap, The Blown Call, Trey Junkin, Grace Under Fire, and of course, The Phone Call. I never made it to Tampa for that dinner. Thanks to all of you for supporting my weekly podcast, Before the Cheering Started, all about the journey to success. And there'll be more of these stories from the first 60 years. I'm Bud Mishkin.